Welcome to Sophisticated Property Investing Podcast. Hey there, ladies and gents, and welcome to this episode of the Sophisticated Property Investment Podcast with me, your host, Frank Flegg. So the big difference between Sophie in this episode, and if you've not listened to our previous episode, you might want to, where Bob had £20,000. The big difference is Sophie's got 10 times as much. She's got £200,000 in the bank that she wishes to invest in property and because Sophie understands sophisticated property investing she wants to do some sophisticated deals that's going to make her money work much harder for her on a 50 to 100 percent annual ROI basis and that blows people's minds 50 to 100 percent ROI most people can't work that out but it's absolutely possible if you know what you're doing and of course Sophie does so what would I do well for starters she is able to be a lot more aggressive with her offers now most people think aggressive means going lower and offering less for properties but what I mean by aggressive is being slightly more flexible on the offers you make so that you can buy more properties so Sophie's not going to be able to do a deal a month she will run out of money if she does that but she can certainly do six to maybe nine deals in the year, which is going to be great. She has to be okay with, if she's doing that many, she has to be okay with her funds dwindling somewhat. So she's not going to have as, she's not going to have 200 grand at the end of the year if she does six to nine properties. And in order to get six to nine deals, she's going to need to spend some decent money on marketing. So I would suggest that Sophie starts leafleting at quite a high intensity. So I'm gonna suggest she starts about 5,000 leaflets a week, which will get her a decent number of leads. In the current climate, you'd expect that to get between five and 10 leads a week, which will translate into some decent help visits. I would also be spending probably 1,000 pounds a month, maybe 1,500 pounds a month on newspaper advertising. So instead of the little classified advert that Bob had, Sophie's gonna have a credit card size advert, maybe even a quarter page, depending on the readership of the newspaper. And that again will bring in a nice steady stream of leads. I'm gonna expect Sophie to have maybe two leads a day on average, 10 a, 10 a week from those two marketing strategies. She can still do the marketing strategies that Bob was doing initially, but what Bob was doing was investing his time in marketing. And because he was only gonna do, or he's only targeted to do two deals a year, he wasn't gonna spend a lot of time on the conveyancing. He wasn't gonna spend a lot of time on the refurbishment. He wasn't gonna spend a lot of time on the management of those deals because there's only two of them. Whereas we're assuming Sophie's also got 15 hours a week very quickly she's going to spend be spending quite a lot of time on conveyancing because she'll have two three four maybe deals going through at the same time she's then got to manage them all so she can't spend as much time on marketing which is why i'm suggesting quite leveraged marketing strategies leafleting and newspaper advertising are well leveraged they don't take a lot of your time because sophie's going to be putting her money into them instead of her time. So let's take a £100,000 property as an example. Sophie's gonna be offering 75,000, assuming it's in a good lettable condition. She'll be able to borrow 75% of that 
from the bank. So, oh, that's going to test my maths. Should have should have picked an easier number. <laughs> Call it fifty-eight, I think. Maybe it's fifty-six. <laughs> that's really testing my uh, my uh, my mental maths. Anyway, late fifties, I reckon. Um, she's got some legal fees in there, and she's got some stamp duty. She's putting in seventy-five, and the bank's lending late fifties. Then. She's putting in 17, 18,000 pound deposit and she's got legals of probably 2K, 2.5K and stamp duty on a 75,000 pound property is two and a bit thousand pounds. So she's probably leaving in 22,000 pounds, 23,000 pounds in a good lettable condition. Now, because she's buying that so cheap and her mortgage is 75% of 75% that would be really good cash flow that could easily cash flow 300 350 pounds after all costs per month but she doesn't want to do loads of that because that's 10% of her available funds so she only wants to do yeah four of those absolute maximum in the year because what Sophie absolutely mustn't do is end up like Bob. So she needs to keep those available funds available because sometimes you need a chunk of money to be able to do a really good deal. And it's perfectly possible that she could get a deal where she buys 10 properties in one go from a landlord on a control now pay later basis and they just want 100 grand in their pocket now. Or well, she's in the position to do that, whereas Bob isn't. So really important to not do too many BMV deals. I'm thinking three or four maximum will be great. She probably will do a minimum of one or two because not every landlord's gonna go for, or not every vendor rather, is gonna go for control now, pay later. So whereas Bob has to do control now, pay later, Sophie wants to do as much control now, pay later, but can do some BMV purchases now because she's got the funds to buy them. Now the trick for Sophie on the BMV purchases is to make sure that her funds last long enough for her to be refinancing them. So if she's got a, let's just for ease say it's a £60,000 mortgage on a £75,000 purchase, she's actually got a 60,000 pound mortgage on a 100,000 pound property. Now she's not gonna be able to refinance that on day one because she's just bought it for 75, but she will be able to refinance that in time. So some lenders might look at it after six months, some lenders might want to, her to have held it for 12 months. But what that means is she can then refinance once she's got a lender who is happy to lend based on the value and not on her below market value purchase price, they're gonna lend 75,000 pounds. Well, that means if she's got a 60,000 pound mortgage, she gets 15,000 pounds back out. That now is a almost a no money down deal for her. She's put 22 grand in and she gets 15 grand back out. Now she's only left seven grand in there. And so she needs to last long enough for her to be able to do that. The other thing that she can do, whereas Bob probably wouldn't wanna do this, is she can use bridging to buy some of these properties. So bridging providers will lend based on the value of the property as opposed to the purchase price. So if she's doing deals at 75% of value, some bridging providers will happily lend at 
maybe 65% of value, which means she can borrow potentially the whole purchase price, but perhaps £5,000 less, so 70K. So now she's only putting in £5,000. The reason Sophie can do this, but not Bob, is because you don't want to get caught on the bridge. And what I mean by that is most bridging providers will only lend you f for 12 months, I do a 12 month term or sometimes a 15 or an 18 month term. And my concern with Bob is he doesn't have the resources to get himself out of trouble if he can't refinance, for example. But what Sophie could do is she could buy a property. Let's use the same property, £75,000 purchase price, where the bridging provider is happy to lend 70. So she puts £5,000 deposit in, two, two and a half thousand pounds um, in legals and two, two and a half thousand pounds in stamp. Well, now she's only put 10K in instead of 22. However, the property is likely to only break even each month or maybe even make a bit of a loss that might make a 50 or 100 pound loss a month which again isn't the end of the world if Sophie's got 200 grand in the bank but she needs to refinance off that bridge so she might use this as a strategy to stretch her funds a bit further if she comes across four or five BMV properties and the and the vendors don't want to do control now pay later. This is a way of her potentially doing a few more BMV purchases and stretching her money further. But I'd be I'd be very reluctant if she did lots of BMV deals using bridging finance because she might struggle to get off the bridge if the market takes a bit of a turn if finance if the housing market takes a turn and prices drop or if finance gets harder to get or if something happens in her personal life you know it's not a low risk strategy but if you if sophie has 200 grand in the bank then it's a strategy that might well help her to get a couple more properties under her belt in terms of the negotiation as i've said some bmvs some control now pay later still aiming for 100% control now pay later but with control now pay later she can put a bit of money in the number of vendors that will take five or ten grand up front on a 10 or 15 year control now pay later is much higher than the number that will do it for a pound and so she's likely to get deals like that and of course if she's got six seven eight nine maybe properties that she's buying the likelihood is that one or two of those will be suitable for a high monetization strategy and so that's going to top up her cash flow even more and contribute to her marketing spend and what's really important for sophie is she needs to go quite hard on the marketing up front so she might be spending three four maybe even five thousand pounds in per month in the first few months of marketing and you look at that and you go well she's going to run out of money really quickly but of course that doesn't continue we don't continue marketing at that level as the deals start to come through and she starts to use up her funds she can reduce her marketing spend because her, her funnel of deals is full so if she's got lots of people she's negotiating with if she's got deals going through conveyancing she can rein in her marketing spend because she's on track and this is where having a goal is really really important so if bob's goal was two deals in the year for and you can work backwards from that you can work out how many signups you need you can work out how many help visits you need you can work out how many tffs you need you can work out how many leads you need 
And so if we look at Sophie, let's say Sophie's going to do eight deals in the year. How many signups will she need? Well, statistically, she's probably going to have one fall through. So she needs to have agreement and all the paperwork signed on nine and expect one to fall through. I think that would be prudent. She then is going to need to sit down and do help visits with, we're assuming these are all individual vendors, but there could easily be a portfolio landlord in there who sells three or five or the entire eight could even be more than eight and this is useful because Sophie won't be just doing eight in one year she'll be doing eight in this year maybe 10 in the next year so if she's thinking 18 in two years and she comes across an investor that's got 14 properties that they want to sell she now might be happy to put in a bigger chunk of money because it gets her near much closer to her two-year goals and so for Sophie, if she's buying eight individual properties, she's going to need, if I think of all the people I've trained to do this, on average, after a bit of practice, they're probably hitting 33% conversion rate. But if she did her numbers really pessimistically on 20% sign-up rate, that would mean she'd have to do five for each sign-up. And we're going to sign up nine. So she's going to do 45 help visits. And that's really helpful to know, 45 help visits in order to buy eight properties. That is pessimistic, by the way. She'd probably do a lot more out of 45. And of course, she'd get better and better at help visits. But I think that's a prudent goal to have. And then you need to think about how many conversations is she going to need to have in order to have 45 help visits? Well, that depends on her conversion rate. But... I think it'd be quite likely that she'd have a conversion rate of one in three. It does depend and she can monitor this. But now she's looking at 45 times three is 135 TFFs. Well, that's 12 a month. I'm trying to work it out. I think it's about 12 a month. And so, no, it's a bit more than 12 a month, isn't it? Um, no, it's, um, yes, it's, it's 12 a month. So, um, <laughs> working out my maths. So now she can just look at it and go, right, I need to be doing three telephone fact finds a week. Well, if you remember at the start, we were talking about two a day. So she should smash that. But then she's going to reduce her marketing later on in the year. So Sophie needs to be a lot more focused on the numbers. And you notice I'm going through the numbers because... With Bob, he just needs two deals and he's going to do those deals and he's going to work his socks off. But with Sophie, it becomes more of a numbers game because she has to keep... And I have seen this before. I've seen people buy too many properties too quickly and run out of money. And so it's really important for her to be cash flowing any refurbishments that she does. Bob can't afford to do a refurbishment. He can only buy ready-to-let property or ideally already tenanted properties. But Sophie can cash flow potentially one or two refurbs, depending on the nature of the refurbs in the year. She definitely shouldn't be aiming for them, but she could potentially. And as I've already said, she can also do a portfolio purchase. And so she should have her RAS set on that her reticular activating system and be aware that that's a possibility and her if she is doing the donut strategy which she might want to do a bit of because as she's buying these properties she's got buying power bob doesn't have any buying power but sophie does because she's going to be in her goldmine area bringing on six seven eight nine properties in the year and to a letting agent that's really valuable 
So it's important to always be mindful of what your core marketing strategies are, but also what your supplementary ones are. So for her, if she's interviewing letting agents, it makes sense to also start talking to those letting agents about doing a bit of a strategic alliance and sending out some emails to their landlords about the fact that they've got a guaranteed buyer for their properties if they're interested. And through that, she may well get a property or two through referrals, which of course is going to save her on marketing spend. In terms of logistics for Sophie, I would recommend Bob manages the two properties himself because he doesn't want to give away the eight, nine, 10% of rent that a letting agent would charge. For Sophie, because she's doing this all herself, because she only has 15 hours a week, she's going to be really pushed for time. And this is really important to recognize. Bob's got loads of time, but not not much money for two properties, to acquire two properties in the year. Sophie's got exactly the same amount of time as Bob, but because she's doing, let's say, eight properties in the year, she is far more time poor. So she has far less time available than Bob. She's going to be really stretched in terms of focus and time if she does eight deals in a year in only 15 hours because I'm I'm assuming Bob and Sophie have a full-time job or they have their own business. And because of that, it's really important for her to make strategic decisions. Is she going to manage the properties or is a letting agent? And I'd be inclined to use a letting agent for the single AST properties and for Sophie to manage the high monetization strategies. I think that's really important because otherwise she could potentially run out of time and what normally happens then is the lettings suffers so the money doesn't come in as quickly as it should there's a bit of a cash gap refurbs sometimes grind to a halt and Sophie could very rapidly become Bob (laughs) or at least (laughs) she could end up in the same financial situation as Bob so using that money for a bit of leverage having letting agents would be quite important from a technology perspective sophie probably wants to also start thinking about how she's going to manage her portfolio so she wants to have a look at software she might want to use some project management tools like trello etc so that she can keep an eye on every property how's the conveyancing going when is when are the letting agents going to be instructed when's the refurb going to start and finish if there is one she needs to be tracking her gas safety certificates electrical certificates licensing if she's in a licensed area etc so it becomes a business for sophie and it's a big step up and some investors do this over seven or eight years they buy one property a year and it's not as risky for them and they kind of can acclimatize to the additional workload and the additional level of organization required but sophie is doing this really rapidly and so that is a challenge for her it is a potential issue that she needs to bear in mind her time needs to be really well looked after and she needs to be really organized with that time so that she doesn't come unstuck really. I think burnout is a concern of mine for Sophie as is running out of cash. I'm more worried about Sophie running out of cash and burning out than Bob, which is really ironic, isn't it? But I have seen it a few times and people feel like they're buying a hundred grand house for 75,000 pounds. So wow, just made... £25,000 and they're right their net worth has gone up by 25k but you can't 
pay your mortgage with £25,000 equity. That doesn't work. Until next time, when we look at a £2 million investor, Fred, happy investing. Sophisticated property investing. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing now.